This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. You got the Yanks in Baltimore, 7.05 tonight. The Yankees looking to bounce back from their loss last night in what was the Orioles' home opener. That was an afternoon game yesterday. Uh, tonight is a night game at 7.05. I'm going to talk a little basketball right now. Uh, if you don't follow this guy on Twitter, you should. He's got uh, every stat uh, analytic nugget you could ever want. You could follow him at Tommy Beer, which also happens to be his name. He's the host on What's on Tap the, with Tommy Beer, the podcast. And uh, joining us now to talk a little hoops. Tommy, how you doing, buddy? You're doing very well, Pat. How about yourself? Always great to have you on. I'm doing well. Uh, a lot of basketball conversation uh, this afternoon. Uh, a week from now, it gets real for both the Knicks and the Nets. As of last night, we know the Nets are in. Uh, as of last weekend, we know the Knicks are in the field. Uh, and let's start there with the Knicks. And uh, obviously everything gearing uh, towards game one against Cleveland, either next Saturday or next Sunday in Cleveland. Uh, but overall, Tommy, you look at this Knicks season. Would you say it is better than expected? It's about what you expected? Or is the jury still out for you? Uh, I would say the jury's still out um, because obviously, you know, how the postseason plays out is, is will obviously factor in here. Whether they, you know, get swept in four, I'd change my opinion if they win in six. Obviously, that that factors. Um, that being said, up to this point, the regular season, they certainly exceeded expectations. Um, I thought the Jason, the Jalen Brunson signing was good. I thought he'd improve the team. I had, I certainly didn't predict he'd play as well as he had. I didn't predict he'd have as big of an impact as he had. And, you know, outside of Brunson, and he probably is part and parcel of all this, but all the other things you could have hoped that went well this season. Emmanuel quickly took a huge step forward. Quinn Grimes emerging as a legit starting two guard in the NBA. Julius Randle, very difficult to kind of predict what he was coming into this season. We know he had the All-NBA campaign two years ago, then took a big step backwards. Uh, last season and playing at an elite level again this year. Uh, Mitchell Robinson staying healthy. Isaiah Hartenstein um, exceeding expectations in terms of being one of the better backup centers in the NBA. Um, so outside of R.J. Barrett, who probably didn't um, you know, perform as well as many uh, Knicks fans had hoped, um, pretty much everything else that could have went right went right. Um, sum it all up and you have a five seed and we are talking about basketball in April. Pat. Yeah, meaningful basketball, not the draft, not positioning yourself for a yep. lottery spot. Uh, you, you ran through the gauntlet of everything that's gone right this year. What do you think, Tommy, in your mind has been the most significant development for this franchise this season? Jalen Brunson, period, point blank. This is a franchise that has not had a point guard in forever. They finally get him and he's delivered. Been incredible. Give me your thoughts on Knicks Cavs. Uh, and we have to look at this two ways because there is the unknown with the Knicks leading scorer, leading rebounder, only all star, and Julius Randle. Uh, so give me your thoughts on this series with Julius and without Julius. Very difficult to win the series without Julius Randle. Um, is he a perfect player? No, but he's a guy that gives you 25, 10, and 5 every night. Um, monster matchup, can, can rebound, can pass the ball, pretty much everything you'd ask for. Um, I think they definitely have a fighter's chance, um, I, and I probably would pick them to win, assuming he's 100% healthy. Um, without Randall, um, uh, you know, obviously I think that the, the Cavs will be favored, but still the Knicks are have a shot to win. Um, they've been very good on the road. Can they steal one of those first two games in Cleveland? 
put a little pressure on Cleveland coming back to New York. Um, that that's certainly in the cards, um, but just difficult to beat that team four times without Randall. That would be a really tall, tall task. Our guest is Tommy Beer talking some NBA with him. He's the host of the What's on Tap with Tommy Beer podcast. Uh, what what is your best case scenario for the Knicks this season as we get set to officially begin the playoffs? You know, again with with Brunson. I would, you know, I'm not counting them out of the series. I'm not counting them out of making some serious noise. Um, will they be huge underdogs against Milwaukee? Yes, but, you know, will Chris Middleton be healthy? I don't know. Um, you know, it, it would be a stretch to say that they could even win a couple games against a good, you know, a fully 100% Bucks team. Um, but, again, they've exceeded expectations every step of the way this far, so, so why stop now? You know, it's been a big talking point on the talk show circuit this past week that if the Knicks lose to the Cavs, and more specifically to Donovan Mitchell in the Cavs, that the season would be a failure, period, stop. That's the take that a lot of people are running with. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that, yes, if the Knicks go out and get swept and are non-competitive, then, yeah, you could maybe make that argument. But I think they've done so much that it's hard to – imagine this season being considered a failure where do you stand on that totally agree that listen they get swept and get dominated that that's one thing but um you know they say they lose you know it's close in the second half of a game seven or even if they lose game six um in a tightly contested series they have so many young players they have the point guard future uh, you know depth all across the roster josh hart has been a tremendous asset um, there's just so much going right for the team that I wouldn't be able to, in good conscience, say, yeah, this is a bad season or disappointing season just because there's so much positive, not only from the last few months, but looking ahead, they draft picks and uh, relatively good cap sheets. There's just too much positivity there to look back on what this team has, you know, the, the assembled talent um, up and down the roster, youth, um, you know, quality players, quality contributors at every position to say, ah, you know, this was a disappointing season. Now nah, you can't, if you're 13 games above 500 and Vegas had you at 38, um, you know, wins coming into the season. And, and it's not like, you know, a flash in the pan where they got lucky with one guy kind of, you know, playing out of his mind. This was a team effort uh, from top to bottom. There's just so much there to be optimistic about from a Knicks fans point of view that I couldn't say was disappointment. You know, there was some conversation earlier in the show about the tenure of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and how it started in Brooklyn. And if you remember that 2019 season, the Nets were a playoff team. They won 42 games. They they lost a hard-fought five-game series to Philadelphia. But, you know, the word um, you heard to describe that Nets team was culture. And, and, and I think if you now look, we're three years into the Leon Rose and World Wide West and Tom Thibodeau as the head coach. How do you see, with everything they have going on, what you just described, the on-court, um, the way that they play, where they are positioned in terms of assets and salary cap flexibility, how would you describe the culture of this franchise right now? It's a really good point, Pat. And, and you know, a lot, Thibodeau gets knocked for a lot of things, but I think uh, last night, for instance, you know, 81st game of the season, on the road, nothing at stake. This team is playing their hearts out in the fourth quarter um, against a Pelicans team that needs it to possibly finish as high as it's fifth in the in the West. Um, and they're competing for every loose ball. Josh Hart is diving into the stands. Miles McBride getting to passing lanes. Um, yes, they lost, 
but they really, really played at a very high level. They showed heart. They showed the competitiveness that they showed night in, night out, literally almost every night this season. Um, that's a credit to the, to, the, to the front office who's assembled the talent and assembled the roster with guys that, that you know, um, had a high pedigree but also came in, um, you know, a little bit humbled. You know, the, the Emmanuel quickly um, was considered a D-plus, that draft pick. Uh, Quinn Grimes started out at Kentucky, ended up in Houston. Knicks got him at the 25th overall pick. So they, they weren't these, you know, top overall picks that, that you know, they, they brought in Cam Reddish. He didn't fit. They flushed him out. Um, you know, so all that, I, I mean, just contrast that with what we saw in Dallas last night. Um, with the Mavs team that has basically has a chance to make the playoffs, but sit Luca and Kyrie Irving. And um, do those things matter in the long run? Again, in my opinion, the NBA is, it, it is about talent, obviously. Uh, but you're right. There is when when you have combined talent and then you have that culture, uh, that 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 grind, that that hardworking attitude. I think the combination of those two things is where you see with the really successful teams, and not only just success for one season, but if you if you want sustained success. That's kind of the recipe. That's the path towards it. We're talking NBA with Tommy Beer as the playoffs begin next week and the play-in tournament begins on Tuesday, but neither the Knicks nor the Nets will be a part of that. They have both bypassed the play-in tournament, something that the Nets were unable to do last year, even though they had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. You know, Tommy, you mentioned uh, what the Mavericks did last night, and for, for those listeners that uh, didn't catch it. Uh, the Mavs were a loss away from being eliminated from the play-in tournament. Um, now they have this draft pick that they owe to the Knicks that is top 10 protected. So if the Mavs were to go into the play-in tournament, there's a decent chance that that draft pick could have been 11 or 12 and gone to the Knicks as part of the Chris Stapps Porzingis trade from a few years ago. They sat five rotation players, including Kyrie Irving, and then they took Luka Doncic out of the game after the first quarter. And Mark Cuban was pretty open with what they were doing. What are your thoughts on that whole situation last night in Dallas? That was a mess. And this, this thing is only going to get more and more attention. The NBA announced this afternoon that they um, commenced an investigation into it. Um, we've seen teams tanking. It's, it's nothing new in the NBA. Um, but those are usually teams that have no chance of making noise in the playoffs or let alone qualifying for the postseason. This is a Mavs team that, as of Friday morning, would have basically what they needed to get into the playing tournament was beat the, the Bulls, who were starting their own, who were sitting their own starters, um, and beat the Spurs on Sunday. And then they're tied with OKC, so they would have needed OKC to lose to Memphis. You know, Memphis is already locked in, so they probably would have sat their guys. Again, it was somewhat of a long shot, but still very much alive for the Mavs organization who had just traded a first round pick for Kyrie Irving two months prior and have one of the most marketable talented players on the planet in Luka Doncic, one of two players in NBA history who's averaged over 30 points per game in the postseason in his career. Um, again, this is not your typical AC. If the, the Mavs were able to get into the play in tournament, would they have been an easy out? Certainly not. Would they have skipped the bejesus out of the, the Nuggets if they made it to that eighth seed? Certainly so, uh, especially in a wide-open West. Listen, the, again, the odds are stacked against uh, the Mavs making any serious noise or making legitimate run, um, but stranger things have happened in sports, especially um, there is no you know, team in the West that's viewed as head and shoulders. Um, you, know, you look at the odds, the Lakers, the, the Mavs, the, the Nuggets, uh, the Suns, they're all kind of up there um, in that mix. 
Um, and so for the, the, the Mavericks to make it a, a, a managerial decision to not play their best players 72 hours before the season ends, um, to me it was Mark Cuban thumbing his nose at, at Commissioner Adam Silver and basically daring them to do something about it. This, this, was, a, this was a very bad look for the league, for fans, that uh, you know, for Maverick fans and really for all involved, this thing's going to get ugly, I think. Now, there's still a chance the Knicks can get that pick, right? Because if somebody, the way I look at it, if somebody with longer odds than Dallas wins the lottery and jumps over the Mavericks, it could bump Dallas back out of that top 10. Am I reading that correctly? A hundred percent. That's the crazy thing. This, even them, First of all, they almost won. They were up 13 points in the second half. Um, but e- even with them losing, they still have it. They can if if they win on Sunday somehow against the terrible Spurs team and the Bulls lose, um, they could go into the lottery eleven. But to your point, let's assume they lose Sunday um, and then they enter the lottery drawing with the ten seed. Or you're 100 percent right um, at the 11, 12, 13, or 14 lottery seeded lottery teams can jump up to one, two, three, or four. And if any of those happen, Mavs will bump back to 11 and they look at the pick. I think there's like an 8% combined chance. Um, so, again, not, not likely, but it, it's certainly not uh, impossible. It's called karma, is it not? Is that the word for it? Yeah, I, I, if, if there is karma and if the basketball gods exist, let's put it this way. If, if the Mavs end up getting 11, um, they will check every envelope to make sure they're not frozen and, and any other conspiracy theory that, that you can imagine. Um, and and, that, and that, that'll be a very uh, interesting scenario should that play out. We're talking with Tommy Beer. Um, you mentioned Kyrie Irving and coming over uh, in that trade from the Nets just ahead of the trade deadline. He demands a trade. The Nets have their backs to the wall. They have to give him up to Dallas. And then, of course, as we all expected, 48 hours later, Kevin Durant demands a trade. The Nets give him up to Phoenix. Um, you can't help but be impressed with the Nets, how they have regrouped from the trade demands of not one but two perennial all-stars to still be in this position to be in the playoffs, Tommy, not to mention all of the assets they have coming down the road. Really have to be happy if you're a Nets fan. Uh, first of all, addition, I view the losing Kyrie Irving as addition by subtraction. Um, the, the Mavs, as, as we've just discussed, um, were fourth in the West on the day they acquired Kyrie Irving and are now 12th. Uh, 11th, rather, in the conference and on the outside of the play-in looking in. They rank 25th in the in the league in defensive efficiency since the, the, the All-Star break. Um, that being said, the as far as the Nets are concerned, not only did they replenish their draft stock, they have themselves a star of their own in Mikhail Bridges. Um, and someone who's the antithesis of Kyrie Irving and the fact that he actually plays basketball games. You know, not sometimes, not kind of when he feels like it. Um, but he plays all the time, hasn't missed a game going back to high school. Um, obviously, you know, played all his games at Villanova and, and hasn't missed a game in the NBA, longest active streak in the NBA. Um, and not only does he play, he plays very well, and he plays both ends of the court, um, really emerging as, as a legit star um, in Brooklyn. Um, and a lot of pieces, you know, you mentioned that, that 2019 culture team on Kenny Atkinson. This team kind of reminds me of that club. You know, gritty, gutty, they're going to get after it on both ends of the floor. Um, play an exciting brand of basketball, kind of viewed as underdogs, obviously, after giving up their, their two superstars. Um, so the, the, the thing that hurts the Nets going forward is the Houston trade for James Harden. Basically, the Rockets control all their drafts for the next five years. Um, for, and, and then, obviously, they had to trade. Uh, as a result, they traded Harden to get Ben Simmons. They, have, you know, they owe Ben Simmons $49 million. 
uh, over the next two years. Who knows when we'll see him back on the court. So certainly it's not all roses, um, but you're right. Given where they were coming from, to just course in the middle of the season as they did, I think you have to give uh, Sean Marks and, and company out there some credit. Oh, one more thing on the Knicks. Let's circle back to them. And you mentioned R.J. Barrett. Um, how much of a spotlight is on R.J. going into this playoff series, considering that he was the big name in the reports that was involved in the Donovan Mitchell trade talks that the Knicks did not want to part with? Huge, Pat. In my opinion, he is the X factor in the Cleveland Cavs New York Knicks series. Um, we saw him. I thought yesterday was kind of a uh, perfect, uh, uh, you know, just synopsis of his season. Uh, it, it shots within five feet. He was ten of eleven from the floor uh, around the basket. He was one of fourteen on shots outside of eight feet. He's shooting twenty-two percent from three-point territory over his last fifteen games. Ice cold, zero confidence in his three-point stroke. What you're going to see the Cavs do. They're not going to let Brunson beat him. They're not going to let a healthy Randall beat him. They're going to dare Julie, um, R.J. Barrett to shoot three-pointers. Does he knock it down? Does he use the space as a runway to get into the paint? To me, that's where he's most effective. But not just put his head down and, and, and bully ball and, and try to get a shot up. Spray the ball out when the defense collapses. Um, in many ways, they're also going to need him to rebound and defend. Um, you know, he's, he's going he's gonna to spend parts of the series. Um, you know, the, again, the, the, the Cavs' backcourt is, is special. So, um, you know, if Grimes gets into foul trouble, if Hart gets into foul trouble, does, does R.J. slide over and, and take a crack at Donovan Mitchell at some point? Um, these are all things that are going to play out. And to me, um, you know, they invested a third-round pick, a, a, a top-three pick. Um, we've talked about everything that's gone right this year. The one thing that hasn't gone right is R.J. Barrett. He has a chance to correct course and make everybody forget about the last six months with six good games against Cleveland. And they're going to need him, um, you know, to play well, at least to, to shoot at, you know, make keep defenses honest and, and, and at least make the Cavs guard him. Because if not, the, the floors, the spacing is going to be a problem. Um, so, so much, a, a lot riding on the shoulders of R.J. Barrett. Yeah, I laugh when you say he's got no confidence on his three-point shot. Then why take nine of them last night? <laughs> exactly. Good point. 0 for 9 from downtown for R.J. Barrett. All right, before I let you go, I don't know if you're aware of this, um, but last month uh, during a uh, promotion on our morning show, DiPietro and Rothenberg called Host Sadness, uh, I believe you were unwittingly or unknowingly linked to really, Tommy, I'll say it like it is, the most devastating loss of my career. Are you aware of this? I, 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 our, our good friend George, we talked about it. I, I saw the back and forth. How was it all resolved? Are you still? Are you coping with it? Are you dealing with it? How are you feeling now, a month removed? You know, it was tough because I thought I was, you know, UMBC, and then I thought I was FDU as a 16 seed, knocking <laughs> off the number one, which was Michael K, which I did. Um, you know, a, a, a lot of. Uh, backlash and a lot of angry emails directed towards me people thinking that i bought votes in this host sadness competition when in reality and here's my opportunity to finally clear the air on this in reality tommy beer and go follow him on twitter if you don't at tommy beer he's a good twitter follow and a lot of people agree with that because he's got sixty-one thousand followers so he saw the link that said pat o'keefe versus michael k 16 seed versus one seed and all he did was retweet it and say, hey, let's help Pat O'Keefe pull off an upset. And guess what? His followers did, and I knocked off the number one seed. 
However, they took the victory away from me, and I'm still waiting for an explanation, Tommy, which I think is the most disappointing thing of all. I want an, I want an investigation. I will not be – no justice, no peace. I will not be satisfied until an investigation commences, an investigation is completed, and we get to the bottom of this path. Investigation into the Mavs tanking and an investigation into yes. why I was docked 1,000 votes in my host sadness upset over the number one seed. But, Tommy, I appreciate the love and you coming on. Uh, have a happy Easter, and we'll talk to you during the playoffs. Thanks, Pat. You as well. Take care. Tommy Beer does a great job covering the NBA, also the host of What's on Tap with Tommy Beer. It's a great podcast. 1-800-919-3776. We'll get back to your calls and continue to follow the afternoon baseball as the Mets and the Marlins are moving right along at City Field here on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is the Pat O'Keefe Show. His first appearance at City Field with the Mets, brilliant again for a second straight start. Remember, he was great in his first start against the same Miami team after uh, struggling through the first four batters. He settled down, and he is pitching a shutout so far through five innings at City Field. Yanks and Orioles about an hour and a half from now in Baltimore. Uh, Yankees lineup out. LeMahieu at third. Judge in center again tonight. Rizzo at first. Stanton DH. Torres at second base. Oswaldo Cabrera, who had three hits yesterday, is batting sixth and is in right field tonight because Aaron Hicks is back in the starting lineup, batting seventh in left. Higashioka behind the plate, and Anthony Volpe is at shortstop, batting ninth. Johnny Brito making the second start of his major league career. Um, the Yankees and Aaron Hicks. The, the, the Yankees just need to extricate him from the roster as soon as possible. You know, Hicks uh, was an analytically driven trade uh, when they got him for a promising backup catcher, John Ryan Murphy, now six, seven years ago. Uh, showed some promise and had some moments during the 2017 run to the ALCS. That was 2017. Think about how much has transpired since 2017. That was six years ago. And Hicks is still dining out on that. You know, the prevailing thought among the Yankee hierarchy was that if he could just stay healthy, he could produce. Well, for the next couple of years, he couldn't stay healthy. Uh, the last couple of years, he has stayed healthy, but he can't play anymore. I mean, today's a case in point. The best thing that he's supposed to have going for him is the fact that he's a good defensive player. He can't even play center field anymore. They would love to keep Judge out of center field to lessen the toll it takes on his legs. I mean, they want to keep him out of center field so badly that they went out and traded one of their starting pitchers last year, Jordan Montgomery, for Harrison Bader so they could keep Judge out of center field. Well, now Bader's hurt. He's coming back soon. But in the meantime, Judge once again has to play center field. And Aaron Hicks continues to be, as Pete Alonso goes deep for his fifth home run already of the season, a two-run shot. Mets take a 3-0 lead in the bottom of the fifth inning. Great start to the season for Alonso. But Aaron Hicks shows no purpose of being has no purpose of being on this roster the only thing that Aaron Hicks has going for him is that Brian Cashman traded for him and Brian Cashman signed him to a long-term extension and it's gotten to the point now and this is absurd and it happened again yesterday it's gotten to the point where when he plays 
Aaron Boone is asked, why did Aaron Hicks play? When he doesn't play, Aaron Boone is asked, why didn't you play Aaron Hicks? This is the worst player on a 26-man roster. And Aaron Boone seemingly has to answer questions about this guy every single game. It's absurd. This is the team that went to the ALCS last year. It has the best player, the best position player in baseball. It's got expectations and hopes and goals of making a run to the World Series this season. And before and after every game, the manager is forced to answer questions about Aaron freaking Hicks. I mean, it's unbelievable. Last night, case in point, Franchi Cordero, who had already hit a home run in the game, a three-run home run, and has shown some pop during his early tenure with the Yankees, later was pinch hit for by Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and Aaron Boone was asked about that. Stuff seemed fine again. It's just the quality of the too many mistakes at times, and, and then obviously the walks hurt him a little bit today. So that's where he's got to get to be the next level. Let's hear Boone uh, when asked why pinch it IKF for Cordero. Yeah, just a chance to, you know, better matchup against the lefty there with a chance to add on. And then, you know, I like I like the chance of IKF putting the ball in play there. You know, he popped it up. But, yeah, just that. Cordero's a lefty hitter. Kiner Falefa's a righty hitter. Aaron Hicks is a switch hitter. So certainly Hicks would have been an option there as well. And Boone is asked about Aaron Hicks after the game, in a game in which the uh, Yankees blew a Late lead, the bullpen coughed up a lead in the seventh inning by allowing two runs and the Orioles to win the game by a score of seven to six. And each and every game, Boone is forced to ask, answer questions about Aaron Hicks. Here's the deal. All right, the Yankees have today and tomorrow in Baltimore, and then they go to Cleveland for a three-game series. If you're going to get anything out of Hicks, and I don't think you're going to, but clearly the Yankees are still holding out hope because if they weren't, he'd already be gone. If you're going to get anything out of Aaron Hicks, it has to happen during this road trip. He's got to get on some sort of a hot streak before they come back home because if he's still an offer on the season and is playing sporadically and hasn't contributed yet in a meaningful way when the Yankees return to the stadium on Thursday for the start of a four-game series against the Twins, if Hicks hasn't gotten going by then he's not going to get going he clearly is affected by the reception he receives at Yankee Stadium Yankee fans hate this guy they hate this guy because he gets paid a lot of money and he has done nothing but get worse each and every season since he has been a member of this team and then, of course, last year it came to a crescendo with that awful sequence in left field against the Rays where he dropped the ball and then he gave up on the ball and he wasn't paying attention as the Rays runners are running around the bases and it really encapsulated his entire tenure in pinstripes. And then, of course, last week he was asked a question, so I'm not going to come down too hard on him. The headlines obviously said Aaron Hicks wants to play more. I'm going to give him a pass on that because when a reporter comes up to you in the clubhouse and asks about your current playing situation and you're not a regular, what are you supposed to say? I'm fine with it. I have no problem with a, and I'll use air quotes here because it's Aaron Hicks, professional athlete saying that he wants to play more. All professional athletes should think that. But all that did was further shine the spotlight on this guy. And um, look, Yankee fans don't like him right now. So if they're going to get anything out of Aaron Hicks, it has to happen 
during these next five games, the next two in Baltimore, and then the three after that in Cleveland against the Guardians. The other issue for the time being has been resolved. Uh, the Yankees earlier today put Josh Donaldson on the injured list. They also put Jonathan Lewisaga on the injured list, which is a bad sign because the bullpen already is pretty thin, and that's one of your best arms out there that's now on the IL. But the Josh Donaldson thing is we, we may never see him again in pinstripes, and I think if Donaldson can quietly, gracefully go away if and when he recovers from his hamstring injury – I think that just alleviates a lot of the glut in the infield for the Yankees because you you need a spot for well Rizzo has a spot at first base and Volpe has a spot at shortstop. You need an everyday spot for DJ LeMahieu. You need to plug him in at the top of the order and let him be in the lineup every single day. And now he has that spot at third base because the other guy who was getting jerked around was Glaber Torres and Glaber Torres has been your best hitter so far. We haven't seen Glaber Torres perform like this and it's only a week so I'm not getting crazy here but we haven't seen Torres look like this game in game out since before his game went into the tank during the 2020 COVID season and a lot of that had to do with the instability of where he was every single day you know they moved him over to shortstop for a couple of years and that was a really bad fit and then they moved him back to second base but last year because the Yankees had 10 players for nine positions. Somebody had to be out every single day. And I remember Torres was out of the lineup on opening day, even this year, opening day at the stadium because Donaldson was at third because LeMahieu was at second, obviously Rizzo and Volpe in the infield. Glaber Torres was the opening day designated hitter. He's not a designated hitter. He should be your everyday second baseman. LeMahieu should be your everyday third baseman. Rizzo at first, Volpe at short, Stanton, your designated hitter, and if you want to give a guy a half a day off, whether it's a Judge, whether it's a Rizzo, whether it's a LeMahieu, you can utilize the DH spot for that and put Stanton in the outfield, and that's where you go. All right, Because the Yankees have starters at every single position, especially once Harrison Bader comes back, and especially if Oswaldo Cabrera continues to hit. He showed promise at the end of last year. He wasn't overmatched in the playoffs last season, and he's off to a hot start this year. But there's no room on this roster for um, Donaldson. And there's no room for Hicks. And, and the Hicks thing has just gotten so toxic. And I'm not, bl- I'm not putting all the blame on Hicks. He hasn't performed well. But the fans, they don't like him. And that's going to create a really ugly situation. And you have a guy who, he, what, what is his defining characteristic? What is he bringing to this team that you can't do without? Right now he's your fifth outfielder. And... You're without your starting center fielder. So when Bader comes back, he's going to be your sixth outfielder. As Jazz Chisholm Jr. goes deep for the Marlins. They're on the board, now trailing 3-1 to one in the top of the sixth inning. All right, so Yanks and Orioles tonight at, uh, at 7.05. Um, we're going to go through this Maverick story uh, because it is interesting what Mark Cuban specifically, and as his conduit, Jason Kidd, did last night in really tanking the playoffs or an opportunity at the playoffs, something that we haven't really seen in professional sports. That plus your calls at 1-800-919-3776 on 98.7 ESPN New York. This This is the Pat O'Keefe Show. For the Rangers and the Blue Jackets tonight, three games remaining 
uh, in the regular season for the Rangers. It appears that they are headed for a first-round matchup with either the Devils or the Carolina Hurricanes. We'll give you the uh, playoff scenarios for the NHL in a couple minutes. They are interesting, uh, and there are already some developments here today. Uh, so we have Rangers hockey for you at 6.30. Um, I'll be back with you tomorrow morning, uh, really all morning. I'll be on the air from 8 to 9 with our On the T show. I'll be in for Anita Marks for that, and then I'll stay with you uh, from 9 until 12.30. And uh, at 12.30, we have Nick's pregame for the regular season finale, and I will have that for you as well. So I'm looking forward to spending a lot of time with you on this Easter weekend. And, of course, if you want to chat, the number is 1-800-919-3776. Uh, Fox Sports had it. Uh, multiple other sources do as well. Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, reportedly coming to New York on Sunday and will have a visit with the New York Jets on Monday. So we had Connor Rogers on earlier in the show, and he seems quite confident that the Jets and Packers will work out the compensation for Aaron Rodgers and complete that trade before the NFL draft, which begins on April 27th in Kansas City. So you have Rodgers on his way, and there's been a little bit of trepidation in recent weeks just because it's been a couple of weeks since Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show said that his intention is to play next season for the Jets. If that's his intention and he wants to be here and the Jets clearly want him to be here, then why isn't he here? Well, it sounds like he's on his way. And uh, assuming that is the next big piece to fall, uh, it would make sense that Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, would be an option for the Jets. And that's assuming that um, Rodgers wants him as part of the mix. Look, when you are in the position that the Jets are, when you're talented all over the roster except to that one very important and vital position, you kind of have to in many ways um, sell your soul to improve that position. And if you're going to sell your soul, and that might be a little bit of a harsh statement here, but if you're going to do it, Aaron Rodgers is on the short list of people who I think it's worth doing it for. And if Rodgers wants to team up with Odell Beckham Jr., then you've got to make that happen because you're already so far down this road um, with Rodgers that he is option one, option two, and option number three. I mean, you don't even want to look at what plan B would be if the Rodgers thing doesn't work out. So if you have Rodgers ready to come here and Green Bay ready to deal him here, you don't want to get held up uh, over Odell Beckham Jr. Now, for me, look, Throughout his career, Odell Beckham has been... We were talking about Kyrie Irving uh, earlier in this hour, how I wouldn't want him on my team under any circumstances. For a large portion of Beckham's career, I would have said the same thing about him. But you have to understand the reality that the Rams last year don't win that Super Bowl unless Beckham is on that team. It was a little bit of a rocky start after he forced his way out of Cleveland and was picked up by the Rams. The first couple of weeks um, didn't go well, but by the time the playoffs rolled around, Beckham was, especially on the other side of the field from Cooper Cup, just an unbelievable weapon for that team and scores the first touchdown in the Super Bowl tears his ACL a short time after that. He looked so fast and dynamic that one night on the biggest stage that it's it's hard to discount that. Now, 
in addition to all of the off-field stuff that comes with Beckham, uh, there's also the harsh reality uh, that he's recovering from an ACL injury and hasn't played since that Super Bowl in February of 2021. So what kind of shape is he going to be in? Uh, February of 2022, excuse me. What, what kind of shape is he going to be in uh, this coming season? But he's on his way to uh, New York to visit with the Jets on Monday. And uh, the Jets are further strengthening their roster of skill position players around uh, the presumed quarterback for next year, Aaron Rodgers. There's that. There's Tiger Woods, who makes the cut at the Masters in an interesting way. We'll have that for you, and we'll get into this Mavericks tanking situation from last night. It's a really, really bad look for the NBA, and it's got ties to here in New York as the Knicks are directly related to what Dallas and owner Mark Cuban did last night here on 98.7 ESPN New York.